start with the fiduciary because that tells you right away. There's something called a BIC. It's a, it's a best interest of client contract. This was basically in 2012 when the Department of Labor came out and basically revamped the whole thing, which by the way, was way over my opinion. Welcome to the Next Level Income Show, where it's our goal to take your income, your investments, and your life to the next level. I'm your host, Chris Larson. If you haven't yet, get a copy of our book for free at our website, nextlevelincome.com. That's www.nextlevelincome.com. Just click on the book link and I'll even send you a copy if you put your address in. On today's show, we have Brad Barrett. Brad is a managing director and partner at One Capital Management, a private wealth advisory firm managing $5 billion in assets. With nearly 20 years in the financial services industry, he is passionate about finding new ways to educate investors. He shares his knowledge and experience through his weekly YouTube, podcast, and radio show, Make Your Money Matter, as well as his book, Retire Right. Brad, great to see you again. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's good to see you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today, Brad, because we were talking before the show about uh, the healthcare system in this country and and how, it, frankly, in my in my personal opinion, it's it's broken in so many ways. And yeah. I really think that you know the financial situation, you know, with respect to you know the um, you know uh, financial planning, if you can call it that, for yeah. most people. It's broken in a lot of ways too. So I'd love to dive deeper in that. But before we do, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background with the audience. Yeah. No, again, appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, I'm your good old financial advisor. I've been doing this, I guess, 18 years now. And what, what's unique that I like sharing, I think on our show, we share it with our clients. We share it here is this is like, for me, I can only speak to me, right? This is all I've ever done. A lot of people come into the financial advisory space or different investment spaces having previous backgrounds. I know we spoke even... Most people do, right? Even for you with a previous background in medical sales or something like that, I believe. And that's very common. And I share that for me simply to say that I kind of live and breathe this stuff because, and we'll talk about a little bit today and what I share is behaviorally speaking for all of us, there's something cathartic in life that leads us to purpose, whether that's, you know, doing something as a job, uh, leaving a job and doing something different for your purpose. And for me in our world, when I was 16, you know, my company worked for, for 20 years, went bankrupt out of nowhere, lost everything. And, you know, I'm 16 years old. I got two younger sisters and not really knowing anything, right? You're 16 years old. I'm just kind of a mad dude at that point. And yeah. I, uh, to this day, I'm not sure what I said, but I walked into a local bank and I'm like, I want to learn two things. And I said, I said, I want to learn everything about money to save myself so it doesn't happen to what happened to my father. And then two, right then and there, I think God touched my heart and just said, that's your purpose. I want to do that for others. And um, yeah. 18 years later, here I am. So almost 20 years now, I guess. And uh our firm, One Capital Management, it's been a blessing here. Uh, we, we, you know, we're growing to we're about $5 billion in our assets with 2,000 clients across the United States, uh, even in Canada as well, and 85-plus employees, multiple offices here in California, uh, which is where we're headquartered out of, and uh, one in the Midwest in Kansas City area. And um, a blessing. We're able to serve a lot of people and help them plan out what I think many people get wrong around money, right? Which yeah. is kind yeah. of grow, grow, grow without really understanding what that growth is doing for them. And I think that's where kind of the rubber meets the road on anything we would talk about and what many people out there are watching or listening, you know, focus on. No, I love that. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned, Brad, I have had a similar experience. I watched both my parents lose their jobs in oh, the real yeah. estate industry back in, back during the savings and loan crisis. And, you know, really had this profound impact as I, as I look back on it. And, you know, a lot of these experiences in our lives have an impact about the way we look at money, about the way we handle money. Um, not and everyone, it's studied. Yeah, 
it's it's studied it's it's something i talk about heavily in our practice and it's it's the yeah. concept of behavioral finance right um the emotional side of it and in fact i just recorded a show this morning it's coming off this teal and i i kind of out of nowhere i hadn't written this down chris i just kind of said you know in my experience investing is basically 10 percent intellect and 90 percent your emotion you know you Love may it. look at someone you know acting like he knows what he's doing but i promise you the only way that that actually works whether you believe in it or not is if you actually stick to it and don't let the noise of the world, you know, get around you. And, and when you look at the studies around it, there's, there's really two forms of, of behavioral financial items that we see. And, and one is the DNA, right? Like, like you and I you know everything that that's in our DNA, no different than the color of our eyes. Like, you know, the whole nurture nature thing, that's just who we are. So understanding who you are as an investor, who you are relative to your money and what you're doing with it matters equally as much as the second part, which we just talked about. That's the circumstantial, the stuff that we live through, the good and the bad. I mean, those are all very, I would actually argue in my practice of discovery meetings with clients that I, I would say even the circumstantial tends to be the shift changer in many people's lives. Like for uh, me and like for you, we see things through our parents that, you know, God didn't necessarily intend for that to happen when I was born, my, my eye color, but he said like, okay, my family's going to go through that. That had an impact on me. And so like, you know, I think for anyone out there, you know, really understanding your relationship to who you are matters a lot as you bring it into the world of money. I mean, yeah. you know, there's right or wrong. There's three things that we keep close to our chest, politics and religion. It's like, I talk to people <laughs> all the time about this. I'm like, Hey, look, I understand it's a, it's a very like almost voodoo subject matter, but I'm telling you, understanding who you are is as important understanding what you're doing with your money. Cause they're, they're an intertwined concept. I love that. And, you know, I, I really appreciate what you just said, you know, talking about, you know, money, politics, religion, you know, people, people aren't comfortable talking about these, but I think it's so important to have, you know, whether it's a peer group in your life or somebody like yourself, who's, who's an advisor or really like a coach. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where, um, you know, a lot of people hear financial advisor, financial planner, and they think, you know, like salesperson. And I talk right. about in my book, how, you know, the average financial advisor brings value because your typical investor, and you, you may know these stats better than I do, Brad, but mm -hmm. vastly underperforms the market. And, you know, we're talking like mid single digits or, or oh, lower yeah. are the average returns for an investor. And the reason is they, they buy high and sell low, right? They don't stick to the plan. And I see it a lot like having a coach when you go to the gym. Like I don't need a coach to go to the gym. Personally, I right. go to CrossFit. We have a group right. coach. And my, I asked my boys one day, I said, my boys are 11 and 13. I said, guys, you know why I go to CrossFit? We we're talking about you know the importance of sometimes doing things that you might not necessarily want to do. They say, right. well, because you like it, dad. I said, no, I go because I, I don't like it. They make me do what I don't want to do. And yeah. they're there to remind me proper form, you know, stick to the plan, mm -hmm. you know, you know, all these things that I don't want to do. And I think what, what you and your group do are very similar, Brad. Yeah. And actually to that point, I mean, there's every year, there's something called the doll bar report. Uh, yes. That's exactly what I'm referring to, to. Yeah. Thank you. And it's funny. The one that just came out, it comes out basically the, usually end of the first quarter of the, of the new year. And the one that came out December 31st, and I just wrote some stuff on this speaking about it. And this is interesting to your point. I always tell people like, some people say, I, I, you know, you ever had that conversation with a client or someone like that? It's like, I, I don't like the market. And I'm like, we as humans don't like what we don't understand. It's not that we don't Great like point. it inherently. It came from somewhere. And so I tell us, we don't have a market problem. We have a human being problem. 
And the Dahl report kind of shows basically it's a quantitative analysis to exactly what you spoke about in your book, Chris, around how we relate uh, ourselves to what just the market is. And here's that basically as of December 31st of last year. If you invested in the S&P 500 like 30 years ago, they run a 30 year average, right? Yep. And you lost your password or, or just fell asleep for 30 years, right? <laughs> you have earned right over just over 10% annually every year. Yep. Now, the average investor in that same time period earned about three and a half percent. Wow. Right? That's S&P huge. 500 does 10. The average person, you and I, without an advisor necessarily, I mean, there's no quotes on this, but this is where kind of keeping with the plan comes in. Yeah. Three and a half. Now, I'm going to give you another stat to go with that. Even ending of last year, including all that happened in 2022, inflation over a 30 year period was 3.6. I mean, they, they didn't even beat inflation. Wow. So yeah. the concept here is not necessarily of, and I speak a lot of this about this because I'm a, I'm a big believer, like when we talk about our show, this isn't an all roads leads to one capital management, which is our firm. It's more of understanding that, look, counsel is important. I mean, it's biblically based at sometimes too. We need people around us to help us go further. We need people around us to help us stay on the course where we are at. And I, and I, when it comes to a financial advisor, I think, right. And it's, it's sad in doing this for nearly two decades, I think in the past, probably 10 years, this last decade, more so than ever before, I think we're getting out here with this notion of like, Advisors are salespeople and bad. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of bad apples out there. I'm not going to argue that by any means. You know, um, but it's understanding really three things I think you should look for in an advisor. It's it's finding someone who's a fiduciary, which basically that's a big word that came out in the past 10 years, which has been around forever for us. Which well, is let's, all right. So let's let's underscore this point because I think yeah. this is this is actually when I set my my stepfather up with an advisor, the number one thing I look for. So the three things you should look for in a financial advisor. The Brad, three things number would, one is a fiduciary. Start with the fiduciary because that tells you right away. There's something called a BIC. It's a it's a best interest of client contract. This was basically in 2012 when the Department of Labor came out and basically revamped the whole thing, which, by the way, was way over my opinion. Here at One Capital Management since inception, since early 2000s, that's been our MO since the get-go. Like you didn't, mm-hmm. It's kind of funny, right? You didn't have to tell us to do right by the client. Some <laughs> knuckleheads in this industry that we had to come out and say, you got to do right by the client. It's like, yeah. dude. But number one is fiduciary. Like that's, it just sets the mark, I think, on just sets the mark on who you're working with. How do you know if a financial advisor is a fiduciary, Brad? First thing you want to do is ask them, right? Okay. Because they, under SEC law, they share with you what they're doing. Right now, the way you look at it, I mean, you got to go into, there's not many, there's, there's different types of fiduciaries too. There's different types. You want to ask them clear and point how they work, not only as themselves as the advisor, but also their house, their clearing house, right? Okay. And really, there's three kinds of advisors. So there's three things you want to look at for an advisor. One is a fiduciary, but there's three kinds of advisors really important for everyone to understand too, right? There's the wirehouse cats, like the old school 80s brokers who are still making trades, right? Think think big companies in that regard. Then there's this world came around about 20, 25 years ago called IBD, right? Independent broker dealers, right? We know them as like Ameriprise, uh, Ladenberg-Thalman, uh, uh, Securities America. You could probably put in Ameriprise and Edward Jones in there, even though they might differ on that. But basically, it's like saying, okay, I'm Brad Barrett, but I clear through XYZ company, right? So I'm independent, but I really have a big daddy who's looking over and, me, right? And you usually see that at the bottom of somebody's You'll website, see that on right? The bottom you of their website. right down so to the so bottom. Looking at a person, yep. On the back yep. of their card, they have to write it there. Yep. Um, they're, they're, they're domiciled under FINRA, so it's a whole thing yep. in that regard. Um, the financial industry, gosh, I don't even know the acronym, National Registration, so, uh, something like that, right? Look it up. <laughs> FINRA, um, yep. Under FINRA. 
And the third part is what's called RIA, Registered Investment Advisory. So there's three. There's Wirehouse, there's Independent Broker Dealer, and there's RIA. We, just speaking about us, One Capital Management, we're an RIA. We've been away since inception. To me, that's basically, we're domiciled directly by the SEC. We clear right through them. Um, We are as independent, in my opinion, as you can get in the sense Mm -hmm. of, I have no boss. I got no people coming in saying, I got to, if I allocate your portfolio, I got to put you in certain funds because, you know, my company has a relationship with them. Like those are all things that are good to tell signs of incentives or who's working for who kind of thing. I think that's really good as you're looking at things. And that gets you back into the question about fiduciary, right? You kind of, mm-hmm. what kind of advisor you want? And then if you find the one you want that you're comfortable with, going to ask them the three things you should look for, starting with fiduciary. Um, the second one I think would be experienced. And these are not necessarily any order, but experience. You want someone who, I mean, I'm not saying someone who's five years into the industry is not good. I'm just saying you want someone who has some experience going down the roads that you're going to be needing, right? So that's also a checkpoint for people to say, what am I looking for? Am I a business owner? Am I an employee? Am I an entrepreneur? Like what kind of a investor person am I am? And, and, and that's kind of where I want to help ask if my advisor has experience there, right? Yeah. And then thirdly, I would say is credential. You know, you want to make sure you find someone that has, you know, a CFP, a certified financial planner, maybe a CFA, a chartered financial analyst. These are all very sought after designations, not easy to get. And I think what that does, Chris, tells it tells a client that they're investing in themselves to better help you as the client. Mind you, there's also something to be careful of here. You also don't want to find someone with al- alphabet soup behind their name, <laughs> yeah. because likely they're spending more time in a book than they are in the real world. So be careful there. Yeah. So there's yeah. a line, right? I've walked through a few guys who have like 16 designations. I'm like, do you do anything buddy? Or are you just, you know what I mean? Are you ready to gain new tools, close more deals and network with the highest level real estate investors in the business? Join me at MFINCON 2023 in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 12th through the 14th. I'm excited to be speaking again this year alongside Dr. Robert Cialdini, Mark King of Taco Bell, Joe Fairless, and over 75 other real estate experts. Sharpen your knowledge on capital raising strategies, asset management, alternative asset classes, underwriting, and so much more. This event will include everything you need to define your goals, improve your mindset, and find the right connections to succeed. The networking opportunities at MFINCON are not to be missed. If you're serious about apartment syndication, investing, real estate investing in general, or just commercial real estate, MFINCON is for you, and you can use our special promo code Next Level all caps to get $200 off your ticket. Learn more and reserve your seat by clicking the link below. That's M-F-I-N-C-O-N.com, www.mfincon.com. Hope to see you there. It's like people with, you know, a couple couple master's degrees, PhD. It's like, yeah, you've been going to school. What are you, 40 years old? Have you ever done anything? Yeah, not even that. There's there's like three month education courses and putting letters behind their name. And it's like their name followed by like three sentences. It's like, okay, guy, easy, you know? (laughs) Um, and again, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying, you know, you want to find someone who's experienced a fiduciary and you want the right blend. Yeah. And then look, that's, we see the same thing in the surgery world. Um, you know, I used to, 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 uh, you know, work in in the hospitals and the ORs, you want a surgeon who's well-trained and also has experience that hasn't been out for so long that they don't know the new techniques. So you want somebody to your point, um, that, that has experience that you can relate to that is a fiduciary and also has enough credentials that they have, you know, a base baseline of education, like we were talking about. I think that's, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point earlier too, about all that being said, when you find that person, and I, I would say this for anyone out there watching and listening, like make sure that the world, the noise that's out there telling you the DIY world, again, 
not saying that's not right for you, but just really ask yourself, are you the best person to be investing your assets? Are you the best person to be planning out your future? Because are you at war yourself? So we talk about emotional investing, right? And, and it's, it's one of those things that I think that's the biggest deterrent to actual growth and wealth building is your own emotions, right? It's the old Great saying, point. right? It's not the, it's not the water around a boat that sinks the ship, it's the water that gets in. And so you got to ask yourself, right? It's like, how much of this, and by the way, tell me in this past 15 months, we haven't had more noise than anything else. Oh yeah. We tend to, as investors, whether you're real estate investors, whether you're market investors, commodities, doesn't matter what you're looking at. We tend to very much get myopic during volatile times. And there's a reason for that. There's scientific reasons for it. I mean, if you look at the philosophy and the psychology of how our anatomy is, our brains are wired to protect us, not necessarily enhance our lives. And so when we go back on the grooves that we've shifted through our lives, whether that's DNA-based or circumstantially-based when it comes to our money, we're going to revert back to fear-holding. Oh my gosh. Okay. For example, everything's going on like this. Uh, you revert back to 2008, right? The hangover, like, oh, it's going to happen again. Or 2013 with government shutdowns in Syria, or 15 with Brexit, or 2020 with a pandemic. I mean, you can, your brain can go all different ways, right? Yeah. And so it's really important to let that out with someone, someone who knows you, someone who understands you've been open with. Because it is a, you know, we go through a, our clients, it's a financial undressing. Speaking of the doctor world, right? You're going in for like that financial physical. You know? yeah. It's not the most comfortable thing. I get that. And that's why we want to prepare and be like, look, you're in good hands. This is between you, me, and the wall. This is important. But when you build that relationship, the value that an advisor can bring, it could be as simple as talking out a fear that you're having with what's going on in the world, all the way up to making an investment decision that you run back on the planet not be the most numerically sound. But we walk through it and it's something that you want to do. I have, I have countless conversations like that, left and right. And it's funny, uh, Vanguard a couple of years ago just did a study and they actually tried to, I think, quantitate or, or numerically base value of an advisor. And their whole notion, you can look this study up, look up the value of an advisor, uh, Vanguard, yeah. I think it was. Russell, Russell Investments did one too. Yeah. And it was basically around 3%. Yeah. And of, yeah, of an you, pay, you pay a percent, percent and a half, and you return about 3%. Yeah, that's, and, and that's, that's just on the value price, not necessarily the portfolio. And they, and they yeah. broke it down into three categories, right? One, which you hit on, Chris, is totally right. It's behavioral coaching, right? That's, and by the way, of the 3% buildup, it was 1.5%. That was the yeah, largest huge. one. Yeah that had value bringing it. And it's so funny, it's, hard, it's like, how do they quantify that? If you look at the study, they went through a whole bunch of numerical measures and tricks. And again, it's subjective to be fair, but I know from experience that it's kind of like in baseball, right? We're in baseball, see, it's like a checkoff, right? It, 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 it's the no-go, the go-no-go, right? You're seeing a pitch coming in, you want to hit it because it looks like it's there, but you end up, you know, not swinging and it's high. You get the ball, right? Yeah. A lot of times our investing world, is like that. We, we get really hot to trot. We want to do something because a buddy talked about it or it sounds really good or some guy's really salesy and you could sell ice to an MO and it, you know what I mean? And it may not be, it might be fine, but it may not be right for you. And you won't Great know point. that unless you work with someone who has a plan and you can trust them and say, hey, hold, I want to talk to my guy. Just make sure, you know, yeah. it checks out. Yeah. I think it's that's just a great point. Yeah, it's like going to the grocery store. If you don't have, if you're on a list and you stick to that list, you know you're gonna oh, like. I, I got my Whole Foods rule. So if I need, if I need a few things, I don't get a bat. I don't get like a little basket because if yeah. I do, that basket's full by the time I get out. If I yeah. need 
enough for, you know, a couple dinners that got the little basket. I don't ever get the shopping cart in Whole Foods because you walk out of there, it's like $500. I don't know how, oh how the heck, how the heck oh, whole, I do it. It's called Whole Paycheck, not Whole yeah, it's Whole Paycheck. It's, it's crazy, right? So I got to, I got to restrain myself. So, um, you know, maybe you can come with me to the grocery store, Brad, yeah. and help out. Well, you know, that. in that same, in that same light, <laughs> right, Chris, it's like, you don't want to go shopping when you're hungry either. You know, exactly. Same yeah. You got to know yourself. Absolutely. Got to know yourself. Yeah. If you're coming to the table with an investment and you're, and you're seeking it and you're doing it from a, a, a this is going to sound like a terrible word, but like a greed standpoint, like you just want to no, know it. Oh point. my gosh, yeah. it looks good. But you don't contextualize like, why are you doing this investment? Like what is, and I, I will, I will share this in 18 years of doing this. When I get the chance to talk with a client and, and, and about something like that, we really drill down and we find that it's mostly that they were in a weird spot in their life. Something might have happened in their relationships recently or something like that. And their 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 egos in check and they're just trying to they're, they're trying to they're trying to do something and move something forward, but it's the wrong thing to do. And and it's interesting that it ends up talking about an investment, but moving into something totally different. Yeah. And when we are able to talk that out, they're able to see for themselves. Like I'm not necessarily I always share this with clients, like never tell you any good advisor should never tell you what to do with your money. Like that's really key. It's your money. You're in control. You're in the driver's seat. You're hiring this person to be your co-pilot. He can tell you what to do and how to do it. And it's up to you whether you want to listen or not. But the go. good, a good co-pilot will help bring back questions and what I call mirroring questions, right? Yeah. To filter what you're saying, what your mind's saying, what your emotions are saying, and just make sure that's real to you. That's, I think, a really a good advisor can sit kneecap to kneecap and, and, and do that. I think that's great. I mean, you've given the audience a great framework, Brad, what to look for in an advisor, the top three things there, you know, yeah. the, the importance of behavioral finance, really understanding, you know, the emotions behind these decisions and making sure that your, your advisor, your coach that you're working with on your money understands those pieces. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to get kind of into kind of some shop talk here. You know, we, we were talking yeah. um, kind of prior to, to recording here, there's, there's been a lot of kind of crazy stuff going on, kind of unprecedented in the financial markets. I've read things like the 60-40 portfolio is dead. Um, so, you know, the the traditional 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Um, there's been this rise in, which I, I kind of chuckle every time I hear it or say it, in in alternative investments. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, those of us that fall into the alternative world, like real estate, you know, a lot of my peers are like, oh, I, I wouldn't invest in the stock market. And then you have advisors, you know, or people in the traditional financial world that say, oh, I would never invest in, in real estate. That's too risky. And yeah. it's just funny because, you know, I have a, I've, my MBA is in portfolio management and I kind of look back and forth at the different sides. I'm like, how, how are we, how are yeah. we looking at the same picture here? How are we this um, far off? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then, you know, I always said, okay, well, if you look at what, you know, pensions are doing, endowments are doing, family offices are doing, they fall somewhere in between there. Um, mm -hmm. how, do, how does your firm handle things like alternatives, Brad? And mm -hmm. you know, what are you seeing and what are you doing with your clients to address you know, the, well, now bonds have come back in terms of returns, yeah. but you know, we were at, at really high stock levels, really, really high bond prices, low bond returns. Um, you know, what, are, what are some things that, that you've done here in the, in the recent past with your clients and your firm? Yeah. You know, great question. I know we were kind of talking about this a little prior too. And I, yeah. I think for us, it starts with a process. So I, I want to start there. It's important. Um, you know, for our first initial conversation with a client, what we call our discovery. And, and really we're, we're getting numerical data, quantitative data. We're, we're understanding the numbers, their incomes, their outflows, their debts, their portfolio, or, you know, what kind of accounts they have it in, right? 
that's all important. And equally as important, we're talking about the qualitative, right? Their interests, their goals, their hobbies, their relationships, their values, like all okay. those play together, right? When Then what we do is we end up going and building what we call a wealth forecast. It's called our black book. Um, you know, we're, it's literally black. It has our colors, obviously very creative here, but that, that is essentially a, a wealth forecast that aligns what they described to us in the discovery meeting from a cash flow basis first, understanding their needs, the needs-based analysis. That's really important, right? To talk about, because when you get into the investing world, I think what we get backwards a lot is that the advisory world to have the investment or the portfolio be the tail that wags the proverbial dog mm -hmm. when it should be the other way around, right? Um, it really should be more about understanding the context of what your what your money needs to do and then building a portfolio around it, right? Yeah. It's the concept of like a stock or an investment talking about an engine, but that engine could be sitting on your lawn looking all pretty, but if it doesn't have a chassis or tires to run on, it's going to go nowhere, right? Great point. So Great I point. think we start there building the plan first. When we get into the diversification model and we get into the, um, we're your we're your long money manager, right? And we're your diversifier. We're a global asset allocator. So we use, um, you know, right or wrong, we're in a big, bad world out there, you know, so having international exposure, especially nowadays with this talk lately about the US dollar and stuff like that, that's going on. One way to get around that is invest internationally, right? I mean, yeah. look, by the way, this BRICS thing has been going on since 2010 too. This is not a new phenomenon if you look at context, right? Yeah. Um, but diversification to us, I know it's, trust me, I'm where it's probably the most boring word. Anyone right now is tuning out like this guy. Yeah, typical advisor, right? But here's the thing, guys. It, it works. Look at studies. Look at actual pragmatic empirical data on this. Um, there was actually a, a study that just came out um, recently through BlackRock that I actually did a show on. In fact, on our show, the Make Your Money Matter show, if you look on our show, it's called Is the 60-40 Model Dead? And oh, we, I, oh, man. I, you you, you nailed me. I got to go. I got to listen to that. You can look at that, and it's going to have a lot of little tidbits here. But I... I went through a whole thing of like how it feels to be an investor, right? You go through the early 2000s, feels pretty good. Or, you know, right after the tech bubble feels pretty good. Then you get, oh, wait, feels not so good. You got a recovery, feels pretty good. And then, you know, you get into government shutdowns and Brexit, not so good. But you look at the whole diversification, if you look at that model over the past, just 20 years, has actually beat out a, a full index model right? Yeah. Because of volatility, because of what we call risk drag, as you know, right? That's important yeah. for portfolio design and, and controlling yeah. your risk drag or your standard deviation or your risk in your portfolio, right? And so when we talk about things like alternatives, and I talk about the word diversification, you know, we diversify across the board. Um, we have clients that we definitely do management with where we're diversifying internationally, small, mid, large, all that good stuff, right? Even into REITs and those kind of structures, we do the traded ones because we like to be a little more liquid. Um, for most of my clients' assets. Um, we also have allocations for certain commodities. We have allocations for true, what we would consider alternative investments, right? Not this word that's out there everywhere, whether that's private equity deals, um, different things like those kind of structures, um, even into real estate kind of environments. You know, one of the things that we were sharing before that we bonded on was I think a lot of times in our world, you're either a market person or a real estate person. And I'm like, no, you can be both. Okay. And actually, I would actually argue that that's important. I mean, you think about real estate, that one sector, there's multiple kinds of it. There's primary, rental, Section 8, raw land, commercial. I'm, I'm speaking in your world fully, right? Oh, yeah. So it goes on. Kind of defining what kind of real estate you're doing. And I would argue, if you look at the 2,000 or so clients we serve, a good portion of their net worth 
is in real estate because at least they have a primary asset. And for most of Americans, right, the largest asset they own is their home. Yeah. So automatically you're in real estate. So the idea of being market related is to diversify yourself throughout, you know, and to make sure that whatever you're doing, whatever you're investing in is working towards the goal you want with your money. And that's, that's where you get into the whole world for us of custom tailored, these overused words, but building it for you, not for, for someone else. And so through our process of discovery, wealth forecasting, we then build a portfolio aligning the type. It's always, you know, not always what you own, but how you own it too, right? You can have yeah. different things in an IRA than I might have in, let's say, a trust account because there's tax involved, right? Different Great reasons. Point. Then yeah. you get into, in our world, we have to deal with everything from soup to nut, right? They're also getting a of legacy planning and estate discussions and what gets passed down efficiently, what doesn't get passed down efficiently. By the way, I'm a huge fan of real estate on the Passover effect, right? Because that's that and insurance, whether you like it or not, are the two best things to pass down to your heirs. Like, Amen. So, <laughs> step up basis, yeah. man. That's a beautiful thing. Exactly. So anyways, you know, yeah. you got 1031 environments inside yeah. there. You got all those kind of good functions to work in there. So it should be a part of it. And I don't know if you would classify, I, I, I wouldn't personally, real estate as an alternative. You can, you can structure real estate inside of something that might be considered an alternative asset class. But I think you look at the whole picture of a nice color pie chart, you know, the fact that the 60-40 model is dead thing, I think you're discounting discipline in those Absolutely discussions and you're discounting yeah. well, we've seen it we've seen it come roar back to in the past year um and i think yeah. you know this kind of takes it full circle as you were talking about you know the importance of of working with a fiduciary and you know i think i would say um i would even underscore the ria portion which is you know some of these ibds the independent broker dealers that that you mentioned before yeah. they're restricted they not only can they not recommend things outside of of what their broker dealer offers like like real estate but they can't even invest in them by contract themselves and i think that's what you know if you, if you're an yeah. investor and you're working with an advisor and you are a fan of say real estate mm-hmm. and that's one thing you should ask your advisor hey can you recommend this are you mm-hmm. allowed to invest in things like that because like you said Brad if if you don't understand it you're probably not going to want to invest in yeah. it and if your advisor doesn't understand what you're investing in, then that might not be a good fit. Um, yeah. And that that really is is one of the big reasons that we had you on is because you have a fairly unique view um, in the advisory world. And I'd love to share um, your show, your podcast that you have and how you share more with your audience as well as your book that you have sitting there behind you as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I mean, the, the Make Your Money Matter show, which is our show, was kind of born a couple of years ago. We have a radio show out here in the Northern uh, Los Angeles area. Um, the podcast started about three years ago and about a year ago, we just the audio into digital format and had a, a show around it. So it's been where we got, we got connected and it's been successful to be able to share our philosophies of an investment advisory group, uh, you know, being out there in the public and making sure we're talking about concepts that are being asked. And I, I'll say this, the, the idea, the concept of it was really born when I went into my, one of my partner's meetings, I told the guy, I'm like, I do, I'm tired of being the unknown expert, you know, because we know what we're doing. We've been doing it forever. All of us have been doing it for a long, long time. Um, you know, we, we're basically at it. We should be sharing it. And it's kind of like the fitness world, right? Some 25 year old telling you how to eat and work out. I'm like, call me when you're 40 with two kids, bud. You know, <laughs> I agree. It's, yes. it's the same, it's the same yeah. thing here. I see all these guys that are influencers. I'm not trying to be them. Trust me, we are not. That's not our goal. But I want to basically put in some truth into this world and be like, yes, that's right in theory. But you actually have to follow through with it to be to have it work for you. Right? 
So there's a lot of this world in social media, this world in YouTube that we wanted to come out and be like, look, we want to be that sound voice, that sound advice um, to help those that want to be helped and, and to know there's a, a financial advisor group out there that actually cares, you know, not trying to sell you something, just trying to show you what we deal with for many, many years uh, with clients that are working with One Capital. And we want to share that on our show. And um, about two years ago, I wrote a book called Retire Right. And it was obviously a pun on retiring the right way. And the right way is defined um, by you, by an advisor helping you in the discovery process, figure out your why. And the first chapter, I actually go into my story more into, you know, my really going through what happened to my father. And he's since made himself back. So this is the guy I revered my life and seeing this happen to him. And I think a lot of clients ask, like, you know, we all are scared about losing everything. Right. And I share with them, like when it's, when it's, appropriate i say i've been there i've i've seen it i know what you're talking about trust me my job and we create my entire purpose for me being here with you is to help make sure that that doesn't happen and that's where you get into the boring the boring world of diversification and but it's not it works and it can be sexy if you look at it right and it can grow for yeah. you and build you well and then ultimately our job is to protect that and pass it on I love that, Brad. What is the best way for the audience to uh, connect with you, with you, learn more about your podcast as well as your book? Yeah. Um, YouTube, uh, you look up Make Your Money Matter with Brad Barrett on YouTube. We'll have the link the here in the show right notes. There. I think you can see it right there, I think. Yep. Um, and then uh, our website is always a good place as well, onecapital.com. Um, you can find everything about us there. You can actually download and subscribe to the podcast. There. And we would love to hear from you and love to you know have you on our show. And, and um, I appreciate being on here, Chris. Oh, Brad, we've appreciated having you. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with the audience. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Um, we'll talk again soon. All right, Chris. Thank you. Hey, Chris here again. I hope you found this episode valuable. Now, I have one more thing to gift you. We have a page for my coaching clients where you can get a free copy of my book, as well as much more from previous guests on the show. Just check out nextlevelincome.com slash coaching to get a free copy of my book, audiobook, and much more. I'll send you a copy of my book and cover all the shipping costs as a thank you for listening to the podcast. Also, please like, share, and take just 90 seconds to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts.